In our time, we were introduced to a fascinating idea. It was there in the Torah all along, but nobody paid attention to it until Hasidus made it a central pillar of Judaism. And that is, why did God create the world? It's a really good question. It's an important question. And the reason it's a question is because it's so mysterious. God existed forever and then suddenly decided to create a world. What changed? What happened? See, if you study evolution, if you go the scientific route, what happened was the subatomic particles collided with the gases, and there was this big bang. <clears throat> but that can only happen if you have two ingredients, and they're antagonistic. So you have a catalyst when there's one thing colliding with another thing, something is going to happen. But when you believe that there was only God, what was the catalyst? Like, why won't the scientists tell you whether the particles came first or the gases came first? Not because they don't know. They don't want to know. Because if you say, first, there were particles. That's the end of the story. <laughs> there was nothing but particles. That's it. Story is over. Nothing is ever going to change. So you have to assume two things. Well, but, but two things is not the beginning. You can't start with two things. So the reason they're avoiding the real origins of the universe is because they have to go back to the original one ingredient. But then the story is over. Then nothing would happen. So they started off saying origins of the universe. Now they changed it to the age of the universe. We don't know how it started, and we don't want to know. We'll just tell you how long ago it happened. So we believe that there was only God. Well, what happened? So some people say, in, in the Torah, God created the world out of kindness. He needed someone to be kind to. So he created the world so he could be kind to us. That answer doesn't really solve, resolve the question, because first of all, you, you call this a favor? <laughs> He's doing us a favor? <laughs> Secondly, what do you mean he did it out of love or out of kindness? Kindness didn't exist. Only he existed. There was no kindness. Kindness was created on Sunday of creation. So you can't say he created the world out of kindness when kindness is part of what he created. So when we say he created the world out of nothing, we mean nothing. 
not just no, no mountains and valleys, nothing. There was no kindness, there was no love, there was no, there was no need for a world. It didn't exist even in potential. There was just him. The only real explanation, as the Alta Rebbe pointed out for the first time, is an obscure medrash where the sages say the entire universe came, began, came into existence because God had a desire. In other words, it was internal combustion. There was nothing else to create, to create a, a to be a catalyst. It, it was internal. Internally, God had a passion for this world. And what was the passion? To have a dwelling place in the lowest world. That's it. The, the existence of the universe is God's passion for a dwelling place in the lowest world. Adira bitachtain. So he created all the worlds until he got to the lowest world and he placed us in the lowest world and said, make me a home. Make this lowest world the most comfortable, the most godly of all worlds. We've studied this for seven generations. It is profound, it is awesome, it is, it is so brilliant, it, it is much more impressive than anything science has ever come up with. Basically what I'm saying is, we have to understand how from nothing comes something. This is, this is real genius work. From something to something else, that's not so, that's not so, you don't, you don't need human intelligence for that. The real need for human intelligence is to think abstract, to understand how nothing can become something. So seven generations, each Rebbe added brilliant insights, deeper and deeper and bigger and greater, until our generation. In our generation, the Rebbe told us, when we say God created the world out of a desire for a dwelling place, we have to understand two things. First of all, a dwelling place is not where you live alone. So you shouldn't get the impression God wants us to make him a dwelling place, he'll have where to live, and we'll go rent an apartment somewhere. <laughs> Understand what it means when God asks for a dwelling place, a home. When a man says to a woman, let's make a home. She shouldn't run out and buy some two-by-fours and a hammer and nails. That's not what he meant. He meant, marry me. So when God says, I want a dwelling place in the lowest world, 
He's not hiring us like some contractor. No insult intended. He's saying, I, I, I want you. I want a relationship with you. And for that, we need a special place. That's number one. Number two, if God says, I'm creating this world because I have a desire, or a drive, or a need for a dwelling place, doesn't that put him at a disadvantage? He is now vulnerable because he wants this dwelling place, and it's up to us to make it happen. So when God says, I'm giving you free choice, and this is what I need you to do, he's stuck. He is now vulnerable. Because what if we decide not? This is a radical, almost heretical <laughs> concept. God needs you more than you need him. We're getting to know him a little bit. He's not that mysterious, all-perfect, untouchable, invulnerable. No, no, no. He has got such investment in creation that he is more needy than we are. Because if the world blows up tomorrow, who's lost? Not mine. His loss. Wow, this is a whole different relationship. How is that possible? How can the infinite, all-powerful, almighty, eternal God end up being more vulnerable than us? Here's, here's the point. Infinite, almighty, and eternal those are not compliments. That's not what makes him God. That just makes him old, <laughs> ancient. What makes him God is that he needs us. <clears throat> I'm going to apply it in a practical example. It's the week before Pesach, and I'm getting the kitchen ready. My non-Jewish neighbor walks in. So what happened? The sink is disconnected. I pulled the oven out. I'm replacing it. This aluminum foil on the walls, on the ceiling. He says, what happened? So we're getting ready for a holiday. He says, which holiday? I said, Passover. He says, what is that? I said, that's when we came out of slavery. He says, when did that happen? <laughs> I don't know, what year was it? I said, uh, about, about 3,000 years ago. He says, really? <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> 3,000 years ago, you haven't been slaves since? Enough already. Get over it. He says, you know, this, was, this was 76. He says, the United States 
got its independence from England 200 years ago. All right, so you eat a, ham, uh, you eat a hot dog with a firecracker. Enough already. It's 200 years. By you, it's 3,000 years. What are you doing? It's like, how grateful can you be? It is such a good point. Really, what are we doing? Thank you, thank you for taking us out of slavery. Enough. So if you read the Haggadah with a Hasidic approach, we're not thanking him for taking us out of slavery. We're thanking him for taking us out of slavery. It's not the slavery, it's him. He came to take us. That we'll never get over. And we should never get over. He came looking for us. We were minding our own, well, well, we were minding Pharaoh's business. We were totally preoccupied. We had no time to think about him. He came looking for us? Come on, what does that tell you? He is not the invulnerable, indifferent, unreachable, unknowable God. He's not. When we're not available to him, he comes looking. And if he has to bring frogs, he brings frogs. <laughs> and if he has to turn water into blood, he'll turn the water into blood. All of that to get us to be his. This is the most recent cutting edge uh, in, the, in the fulfillment of God's plan. We have to realize, and only we can, because we're in this generation, the seventh generation, we don't really have any needs. We are not the needy one. Since it's not our world, and we didn't ask to be born, we don't really need anything. The things we describe as our needs are not. They're not our needs. I was talking to a young woman who was anorexic. She had gone through therapy. She wasn't in danger anymore. But she says, I still can't, I can't get comfortable with eating. It's, it's, it's distasteful. I said, I know. It's disgusting. I'll wait till you swallow. <laughs> it's a horrible thing, eating. Human beings shouldn't be subjected to this. Eating is an animal behavior. And what do we eat and get life from? Things that are way beneath us, from a vegetable. It's really humiliating. And I went on about how it's disgusting. And she says, 
you're worse than me. <laughs> I said, it's just, it's just fact. Just the way it is. I don't know why God would do that to us. It's so humiliating. But what can you do? You have no choice but to swallow your pride and eat something. And her problem went away. Turns out that part of the problem was that nobody agreed with her. When she said eating is disgusting, everybody said, oh, no, it's beautiful. Make a bracha. <laughs> she said, no, it's disgusting. It is. Don't know why God would do that to us. But he did it to us. It's not that I want to eat, I need to eat. I had nothing to do with this. God stuck me with this handicap, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I can't claim it as my need. In fact, I object. I want to stop eating. Can't. So what is our need? What does a human being really need? Freud said, <laughs> what do you really, really need deep down inside? Pleasure. Adler said, why do you know? <laughs> a human being deep down inside needs control, power. Maslow came along and said, <laughs> you need a bunch of things in a certain order. Uh, what is it called? The uh, hierarchy, of hierarchy of needs. So when you're young, you need this, and then you're going to need that, and then you're going to need something else, and it'll just keep moving along, and you have lots of needs. So Frankel comes along and says, what are you talking about? You need pleasure? I was in a concentration camp. There was no pleasure. You need power and control? I was in a concentration camp. I had no power. I had no control. And I survived. Why? Because what a human being needs most is meaning. You know what they all have in common? They assume that human beings need. The question is only what? The real truth is if you're human, you don't need anything. When do you get the need? <clears throat> you're born without your consent. In fact, when the soul is told that it's going to be born, it refuses. <clears throat> it objects. It doesn't want. <coughs> <coughs> So if you don't even want to be born, how is it that you need pleasure? How is it that you need control? How is it that you need meaning? How is it that you need? You don't need to be born. You certainly don't need to eat. So you're born against your will. Nobody asked you. And you eat against your will. Nobody asked you. God decided, you're going to eat. 
We don't want it. It's not our idea. If I designed myself, I would never do this to me. So you have, let's say, a very important scientific exploration in the ocean. And you're doing some very important research, but you run out of oxygen. So you got to stop the project, go up for air, and start all over again. So if the scientist would say, I need to breathe. No, you don't. You're a scientist. You need to finish the project, and you can't. Because you're not a fish. <laughs> it's a handicap, not a need. A surgeon in the middle of very delicate brain surgery says, oh, I haven't eaten in hours. I got to stop the surgery. I need to eat. No, you need to be a surgeon. And you can't. Who did this to you? So really, the future of psychology is Hasidus. Because Hasidus says, we created beings need nothing. We are needed. We are not needy. This is revolutionary. And when you think about it, you realize it's so true. It is so obviously true. So in the past, we understood our relationship with God was a struggle. Because human needs and divine needs are often in conflict. And what is the solution? Cancel your needs and your opinions, because God's opinion is more important. And what if I don't want to? Well, then you're going to get it. You're going to suffer. You're going to go straight to hell. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a good picture. We are not at war with God. It's his world. He's the creator. It's his need. We don't have needs. None. And that's why we don't ask to be born, because we don't need any of this. This is the most liberating psychology ever. On the other hand, you thought God was indifferent, remote, unfeeling, uncaring, except when he gets angry. Got the wrong God. That's not the God of Israel. The God of Israel needs you more than you need him. So all of a sudden, we find ourselves in the service of God. Not because we want to, not because we're religious, not because we're holy, but because there's no option. Your entire life is his design. 
So everything you do is because he designed it that way. So whether you're keeping mitzvahs or not, you're behaving according to his plan. But you're not getting any of the benefits. So if you eat, you're eating because he designed you that way. You sleep because he designed you that way. You go to work because he designed human beings. Unlike animals, you can't just grab something and eat it. You got to go to work. And from the work, you got to make money. And from the money, you got to buy stuff. And the stuff will give you a life so that you can accomplish something. It's all his plan. So when a person says, oh, I'm not going to put on film, I'm not religious. You are so religious. If religious means doing what God wants, that's all you do all the time. You just don't give him any credit. You're always constantly doing what he wants, but you claim that you want it. That's not nice. Not nice. He makes you eat, and you say, I want to eat. I need to eat. What are you doing? That's plagiarism. <laughs> it's his idea. Don't steal it. So when somebody says, have you eaten? And you say, Baruch Hashem. You got it right. Now you're thinking clearly. <laughs> this guy, so how'd you sleep? Sleep well? Uh, not perfectly. I made a few mistakes, but yeah. <laughs> you sleep? You're good at it? This is your talent? It's not your plan. It's not your desire. It's not your... Why, why are you claiming it as yours? It's not nice. So if somebody says, did you sleep? You should say, Baruch Hashem. For some reason, he needed me to sleep, and I sleep. How religious is that? How godly am I? Now, if you serve him consciously, you get the benefits of serving him. Because you're serving him anyway. And that's why, if for some strange, if nobody did any mitzvahs, would God keep the world going? Yes, because you're always doing mitzvahs. If mitzvahs means doing what he designed you to do. The free choice that we have is only an attitudinal choice. You don't have the choice to eat or not to eat. You have the choice to claim that it's your idea and your need, or admit that it's not. It's his plan, it's his design. You're doing it because he wants you to. So when I ask a guy to put on film, and he says, oh, I don't need that. You don't need anything. I'm talking to you about what God needs, like eating and sleeping and putting on film. They're all the same. They're all his. With the eating, he doesn't give you a choice. With the filling, he gives you the choice. But not putting on filling is like not eating. 
And eating is like putting on film. <laughs> so if you haven't put on film, at least eat something. <laughs> Do something godly. <laughs> if you think about it, all our problems, all our problems come from this false assumption that I need. If I'm laboring under this misconception, I need, then Maslow is right. You need all sorts of stuff, and you'll never satisfy it. So it's not a good plan. It's not a good design. You don't need. You don't need. You are necessary. You are needed in a vast eternal plan, but you have no needs. Well, actually, we have one need. To find out who needs me. This, I, I need to know who needs me. Because otherwise, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing here. Because I don't need this. Now, on the one hand, this is kind of futuristic. Superhuman beings with no needs. Just available to serve. It's like science fiction. Humans that have no need but get all their pleasure from serving others or serving God. This is our future. This is Mashiach. But in this transition that we're going through, there, there's, there's a dangerous negative side. We realize, I don't need this, but I have no idea that I am needed, which makes me suicidal. <clears throat> and if you read about it, recently, in the last two or three years, Suicide has become fashionable, not desperate. People very successful, very comfortable, commit suicide. Why? I don't need this. Young children, I'm sure you've heard this. You ask them to do something, and their answer is, I didn't ask to be born. You didn't have me for me. Oh, they're such nasty statements. They're a little depressed. That's the only way we can explain this. But really, they're onto something. They're so right. I have to go to school, and I have to clean up after myself, and I have to share my toys. I didn't even ask to be born. How did I end up with... Responsibilities. Why did it take 5,000 years for this to dawn on us? <laughs> I have to go to work? I don't have to anything. I didn't ask for this. On the other hand, by doing this, you are fulfilling a need that is infinite, eternal, powerful. 
That's exciting. So here's what's happening to our generation, particularly to the kids. And if we don't catch on, it's going to be, it's not going to be pretty. We used to believe, and we were actually told, what motivates you to do anything is your need, your weakness, your dependency. You better eat, you're going to get sick. You better sleep, you're going to get sick. You better make a living, or you're going to die in the streets. That was a powerful motivation. Freud was absolutely convinced. What motivates us is a desperate need for pleasure. And Adler was convinced. What motivates you is you can't afford to lose control. If you lose control, it's all over. So you got to get up. You got to get you know the early bird. You got to get there first. You got to make the first buck. Otherwise, this is not what life is all about. We do not live under constant threats. Do this or you'll die. Do this or I'll throw you out. Do this or you'll go to hell. Stop already. This is not life. We are far more excited and motivated by having a purpose and being needed than running around trying to satisfy our own needs. Here's how the Deva put it, like maybe a thousand times. I was not created except to serve my Creator. There are two versions to that quote. One version is, I was created to serve my Creator. The other version is, I was not created except to serve my Creator quoted it all the time. What did he like about the second one? It tells you two things. I was not created. For me, I don't need this. Don't do me no favors. Don't create me and I'll never complain. So, ani leave me alone. Elo, so why am I here? To serve my Creator. Two very exciting ideas. The first is, I have no problems. The second is, I can help Him. That's Mashiach. And it's happening in front of our eyes. When children are saying, I didn't ask to be born, they're not depressed. They're realistic. So don't put them on, on, on medication. If your child says, I didn't ask to be born, you should say, neither did I. Neither did my grandmother. So what's going on? None of us need to be here. Why are we all here? And the answer is just as exciting. The infinite, all-powerful, almighty God depends on you for his need. 
Only God can be needy. Do you see the turnaround? Only the creator can be needy. He invited you into his house. What do you need? So by telling us that we are needy, we're serving idols. We're worshiping idols. It's, it's a fake God. I don't need. How could I need? I don't. I didn't plan this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't cause this. It's got nothing to do with me. That's where religion went bad. You are born in sin. You are in trouble. God is very nice. He'll help you out. Thanks. Thanks. You put me into trouble and they say, I'll be nice. I'll help you out. What kind of crazy plan is this? You make me needy so that you can provide my needs? That is so nasty. It's not the case. The entire Torah are not commandments that we need to keep. They are God's needs that he needs from us. God says, keep my Shabbos. You get it? My Shabbos. Why do I need you to keep Shabbos? Because I created the world in the six days and I rested on the seventh. Well, so good. Good for you. I didn't create the world. I don't have to rest. God is saying, I need you to join me. When I'm keeping Shabbos, I need you to keep Shabbos with me. Otherwise, I'll just be keeping Shabbos in heaven, but it won't happen on earth. And I need earth to become godly. So here's the punchline. We are not on earth to get to heaven. That's, that's disturbed thinking. God puts us on earth and says, let's see if you can get to heaven. What a nasty plan. We're not trying to get to heaven. We're not supposed to get to heaven. You go there only when it's the last resort. <laughs> if you can't be here, all right, go there. The, the objective is not for people to get to heaven. The objective is for God to come down to earth. So if you want to go to heaven, you're going to cross paths. He's on his way down. You're on your way up. There's nobody up there. God is down here. We don't realize. We have no needs, but all the power. The Rebbe kept saying, one mitzvah, one good deed can change the world. This is not an exaggeration. One mitzvah means one thing that God needs. What, that's not powerful enough to change the world? No, what I need will change the world. No. no. So this is what Hasidus is telling us for our generation, the generation that will receive Mashiach. Our needs are over. Them days are gone. Stop thinking that you're needy. You're not God. Serve him.
you will be much happier, much healthier, and so will he. <laughs> so when you go to work, we talked about this this afternoon, when you get up in the morning and you're going to work, say Baruch Hashem. It was not your idea that you have to have a career and that you have to have a job and you have to go every day. None of that was your idea. And that you have to be there from 9 to 5. You didn't invent that. So what are you doing when you go to work? You're following God's plan. At work, you are there to make the world godlier, not to satisfy your needs, which you never will, because they're not real.